The day is finally here, May 3rd, primary election day with News Radio 610 WTVN. Let us be your primary election guide. I'm Brandon Boxer, Matt Mayer in studio, president of Opportunity Ohio, opportunityohio.org, and follow him on Twitter at Ohio Mad, who's been doing a fantastic job uh, breaking all of the uh, uh, just the races. We're going to talk scenarios this hour and specifics with the races and really the races that have had such an impact so far. The U.S. Senate race, for example, uh, these candidates on the GOP side are record sixty six million dollars in spending between seven Republican candidates. Uh, and I guess you could add the three Democrat candidates, too, but really specifically the the GOP side. Mike Gibbons alone. 16 million of his own money. Can you imagine having that choice of, you know, why don't I sell a few stocks or why don't I just dip into my savings and spend, throw down 16 million on a race? I don't know if, if, if you budget for that. I have no idea. But Matt's going to, uh, of course, uh, weigh in on, on so much of that. Before we get to this, and we're going to talk with Mike McCarthy, too, from ABC6 later in the hour at 840 because he is on location. I want to get to this bombshell that happened last night, this revelation that the Supreme Court is poised to overturn the legal right uh, for an American woman to have an abortion. Now, there's a couple of big stories there and scenarios that uh, Matt's going to break down. But the biggest one we've been talking about is holy breach, Batman. Holy breach. Holy breach. And yeah. in, in shocker, shocker, the left is already now calling for an end to the filibuster to ram through a Roe v. Wade uh, piece of legislation and get it signed. So they want to get around the Senate filibuster. So shocker that the left within hours of the of happening. And heck, there yeah. were people last night protesting. Oh, front- yeah. So magically, Court, magically, yep. this thing gets leaked. And there are already people down, down at the Supreme Court protesting, uh, shouting crazy things uh, at the justices. So uh, I got to tell you, just it, it, this is just an ugly... Ugly, yet another devolution of of uh, of of America, where we see this kind of breach of of etiquette in, yeah. in trust that had, that was part of the Supreme Court. That was part and parcel of being on the Supreme Court and working for the Supreme Court. So, Matt, dissecting this a little bit, just to have a better understanding, a draft opinion offers basically a window with the justices their their deliberations. Right. And this was actually written back in February. Meanwhile, I think this week and we don't know when this is going to come down with Roe v. Wade, but we do know that opinions this week alone are being handed down. Yeah. So this, but this is one that would they probably hold to the last okay. part of June. Uh, okay. That typically is what happens for these big decisions. Um, but, yeah, it's a draft opinion. It allows everybody to see where the majority is going to go. So then, then that allows the dissent to write and respond, and then they'll respond. And it, it's just part of the way they do the the, the deliberative process uh, to, to come up with the decision. And frankly, it, it happens elsewhere, too. It happens at the Court of Appeals levels, uh, at the state level. I mean, this this is this is the way the judicial system works. Um, so it's, it's, all, yeah. it's all part of the process. So, Matt, we've seen states already take action. Uh, you know, Texas comes to mind, for example. So if this does get overturned, does it basically just mean that it, the, the power is back to the states and there's no more red tape? You're free of the federal government, uh, federal law. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it so it, put, it will push the issue back to state legislatures and governor's offices. Okay. And it will which means back to the people. Right. This is that. And, and this is why, whether it's on abortion, whether it's on uh, Medicaid, transportation, we have federalized so many issues in America that we have essentially made who the president is, who controls the Senate and the House so hugely important 
and we've de-emphasized who controls state legislatures and governorship. It should be flipped. We should have we should care far more who our governor is and who are who controls our state legislatures because under the Constitution that that those are the folks who are supposed to have the power over our lives. It was not supposed to be folks off in Washington. The president was there for national security issues and for issues that were truly of federal purposes, right? Uh, but we've we've completely over the last eighty years federalized and nationalized so many issues that abortions are yet another one that we we create this massive fight in Washington when the fights really should be in fifty state you know state uh, legislatures laboratories of competition I like to call them yeah uh, one thing's for sure no draft decision in modern history of us of the court has been disclosed publicly so when you're talking about this unprecedented breach. It makes you wonder what the future is. Yeah, I mean, because if, 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 you know, somebody said, I saw on social media that Justice Roberts, if he wants to deal with this the right way, he should come out this morning and fire every single clerk. Absolutely. For, for all, all nine justices. So just say, sorry, this is what happens, and fire every single one of them, and then start the process all over again of rehiring clerks to say, sorry. we, we, we were, And also, keep in mind, if the FBI asked these folks, right, it's not what they did probably didn't break a law. But when they get asked by the FBI, did you do this? And if they lie to FBI, they've now violated that. They've now created a federal crime right. when they lied. So this somebody, somebody in the next week is going to face a moment of truth of whether they're going to own what they did or they're going to lie to the FBI and double down and then create even greater legal jeopardy for themselves. So more than likely, does it come down to, because it's probably not a janitor, so it's, it's either clerks or Dare I say, was it one of the justices, especially on the Democrat it, it, side? It, it wouldn't have been a justice. Yeah, that's it, what I it, it, it would be a clerk or the, the, let's, we could, <laughs> the Russians hacked the system. <laughs> it, it could have been, somebody could have had a, got into the email system and somehow got it. Uh, but it's more likely it's going to have been come from a clerk who wanted to try to, you know, muck up the system. Wow. Well, let's get back to the uh, prime. Thanks for your take on that, by the way. Uh, primary election. We are your primary election guide radio station this morning on News Radio 610 WTVN. Let's just get to the races that matter. You know, we spend a lot of time and we'll still get to uh, the U.S. Senate race here, which is obviously the big one because there's so many stories, so many angles. But what about the governor's race here in Ohio? You've got Governor Mike DeWine running up against challengers, uh, former Congressman Jim Renacci. Uh, farmer and businessman Joe Blystone and uh, former state rep Ron Hood in the GOP side. Meanwhile, on the Democrat side, you have former uh, mayors John Cranley of Cincinnati and uh, former Dayton mayor Nan Whaley. Well, let's do the Republicans first here. Uh, Mike DeWine still has quite the lead in this, in the polls. Yeah, Mike DeWine's going to win today. Yeah. Uh, the question for that, the most interesting piece of that is, does he get over 50%? Okay. Because that's really bad to be an incumbent governor and not win your primary re-election, first of all, be primaried. Second of all, to not then win that primary by over 50% of the vote, which means a majority of Republicans don't support you. Um, and right now, between Renacci, Blystone, and Hood, their kind of combined vote is more than what DeWine has. So I'll be curious to see what the final numbers look like. DeWine's going to win today. He'll go on to win in, in the fall as well because he, he'll, he'll have way more money to throw at it than, than either uh, Cranley or, or Whaley. Uh, but, but yeah, the interesting piece there is that DeWine's not even over 50%. So, you know, Mike DeWine and John Hughes that have a popularity problem they're going to have to wrestle with. I want to bring up a hypothetical, and it's coulda, shoulda, woulda. But if you're Renacci, you can't be too happy with Blystone because with Blystone especially being in the race— this could have been more interesting, maybe, between DeWine and, and Renacci, do you think? 
Well, or if you're Blystone, you can't be too happy with Renacy, right? Because well, I think, I think well, technically Blystone yeah. was in the race first oh, yeah. um, before yeah. Renacy got in. Yeah, that's a but, good point. But yeah, look, if if you're Renacy, you've you you know you've, you've jumped in this for the second time because uh, he, he ran in 2018 as well before he got out early and, and switched to the Senate race. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, knowing Jim, he's probably deeply frustrated that he didn't get more traction. Uh, but you know, he's, he's got some flaws as a candidate that yeah. there's a reason why he didn't get more traction when it's clear DeWine was vulnerable, but you had to have the right candidate, the right message, money and the right organization. And, and that's never been a strength of Jim Renacy. You know, we asked him on Friday, something that you've been pounding on and that's the right to work state. Uh, and I asked him if you get in, is, is this important to bring up and bring up sooner than later? And this is what he had to say. Well, I think it needs to be looked at. If you look around Ohio, every state that borders Ohio except Pennsylvania is a right-to-work state. So it needs to be looked at. It's what I'm saying. All of these ideas need to be looked at. Why wouldn't we at least evaluate it? I do believe, you know, right-to-work is something that has to be evaluated. We can't just hide our eyes from it when every other state around us is right-to-work except Pennsylvania. All right. Uh, so that's, what, the, those, those, that's what we call weasel words. <laughs> no, I'm serious, right? I mean, and I know this because I've talked to Jim personally. You know, Jim does not support right to work. He wants to act like he does to get the conservative vote behind yeah. him. But but when you say words like evaluate, let me just tell you, if Matt Mayer was running for governor, Matt Mayer was governor, we would do right to work. There would not be evaluations or analyses. Matt Mayer has done that for 10 years, right? The, the data is all there. It's unequivocal that right to work creates a stronger economy and more jobs for Ohioans. So you don't need to evaluate it. Either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. At least Mike DeWine has the guts to be honest and say, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's true. Right? So, so kudos to DeWine Husted for being against right to work, which is a dumb, 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 dumb policy to be against. Uh, they should be for it, but hey, at least they have these. At least they're clear. But no, Renacy's no. evaluation. Those are just weasel words. I thought you were about to say dumb and dumber, but I. <laughs> no, I would never <laughs> no, disparage I'm the governor kidding. or the lieutenant governor. <laughs> so, what? So, your prediction: uh, Dewine will win on the GOP side. How about the Democrat side? You know, I, I think Nan Whaley's going to win that. Oh, I mean, okay. Th- th- right now, they're they're running a race of who 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 are they? I mean, most Democrats, I think, don't even know who they are. The 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 last poll I saw, because there's not even much polling on it. It was like there were more undecided vote, like people than either of them were getting. Like nobody knows who they are because they don't have much money to get their message out. I think Sherrod Brown endorsed uh, Nan Whaley, who's the former mayor of Dayton. Yeah. I suspect she'll win, uh, and then then she'll she'll lose by 10, 15 points in the fall to DeWine. $66 million has been spent in the U.S. Senate race here in the primary election. That's a primary, by the way. Uh, we and that's by the way that's historical. That's I think a record breaker out of any state. I think isn't it at this Ooh, point? I don't know. Maybe I, maybe. I mean, there I, have I been thought some I read big that, ones. but okay. There been, it might, you might that might be true. There have been some big ones. California years oh, ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Huffington, uh, her husband, he had a he spent a boatload of money. But there, so there have been some big ones, and where the media markets are huge and it's super expensive. Sure. Uh, but but no, this sixty six million's a ton of money, and. Uh, and I, usually, I mean, you'd have to step back off and say, is that how we really want our system to work? If you've, if you've got a ton of money or access, it, access to it, you can run for a political office. But if you don't, well, too bad for you. Well, right? I, have to, I have to say, as, as someone who, you know, I do my best to pay attention, uh, it's very discouraging because what if you have someone who really would like to make some changes, really would like to actually get in there and work for the people, roll your sleeves up, but $66 million, $60 million alone from Gibbons – that I don't have that. I that not a lot of people have that. No, that's right. And look, I, I want to be crystal clear. You know, like, kudos for Mike Gibbons. Yes, for absolutely. believing so 
much yeah. in both himself and the cause of what he wants to accomplish as a senator that he was willing to say, I'm going to take a chunk of my fortune. We don't, I don't know how much he's worth, but that's $16 million is a lot. That's a, it's a lot right? of money. Yeah. Kudos to him for saying, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is because here's the problem. Too many of these folks put your money where their mouth is. Right. Well, it, 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 they, they don't put their own money in there. They put everybody else's money in. in and so, you know, I, I want to say kudos to Mike for doing it. But I will say there's also a feeling where you just go, boy, we've, we've reached a point where you have to have a ton of money to be able to well, run for office. Well, exactly. Gibbons right? was very critical on J.D. Vance, uh, not just for getting the endorsement, but also where his campaign money is coming from. So we asked J.D. that uh, when he was here on Friday uh, when he called in. And we asked him about the people criticizing funding from big tech. It's so funny. People always try to say, well, J.D. is funded by big tech. And they always leave out the name of the person who's actually funding me, yeah. who, by the way, was ahead of me on Donald Trump uh, and busted my chops about it back then. He was way ahead of any Republican donor. He's the only Republican big donor who didn't abandon Donald Trump in 2016. He actually spoke on his behalf at the RNC convention. And then, you know, he's the, he's the guy within the big tech world who started sounding the alarm about everything that the technology industry is doing to censor conservatives. So, of course, he's uh, you know talking about one of his big uh, people who are funding him, uh, Peter Thiel. What, what are your thoughts on J.D. Vance? You know, getting, you know, he was the, besides Dolan, the one who never pounded his chest about Trump. We know about his criticism early on back in 2016, 2017. But he also has owned those comments. How refreshing is that? Oh, it's it's hugely refreshing. I mean, I think it's because he, you know, if you remember you back to the when you and I first started talking about J.D. Vance, we yeah. thought he was going to try to own the Never Trump lane. Yeah. And instead, he may have culpit. And I got to tell you, we've talked about this before. It'd be it's great that some that he said, you know, I was wrong. Sorry, I shouldn't have said it. I, I've learned. And, you know, look, J.D. is a cerebral guy. He's good on the policies. His biography is just an unbelievably strong one, especially when you think about a general election against Tim Ryan where Tim Ryan's going to run a very blue-collar, man-of-the-people, you know, Sherrod Brown type of race. And, and, you know, everybody forgets in between Trump's 8% win in 2016 and his 8% win in 2020, Sherrod Brown got reelected with 6% win over over Jim Renacci, uh, which was repeated the 6% win he had over Josh Mandel. So, you know, Democrats can win in the state if they run a certain campaign. And Tim Ryan is very poised to run that campaign. So the Republicans yeah. today need to make sure they put in office or they, they nominate for the, the primary, somebody who can match and beat Tim Ryan on that biography, or I tell you, it's going to be a problem for us. Well, and it seems, and I have to break here, but it seems like Tim Ryan has either shifted or he always has been uh, to more moderate as, as Democrat. Am I wrong on that? No, I think he's always tried to sell himself as a moderate guy. Okay. Right. Um, and he, you know, he, he campaigns well, he comes across as a common average Joe. I, I think he's going to be a tough, formidable guy in the fall. And, and that's why it matters who the Republic, who the Republicans uh, vote for today, because if they vote for one of the wrong candidates, I think Tim Ryan could win and cost the Republicans the Senate uh, writ large. 